Are you planning for retirement, buying a home, sending your kids to college, or looking for ways to protect your estate assets? The Simply Advised podcast connects you to trusted professionals, subject matter experts who communicate critical information in a meaningful and memorable way to guide you to make smart choices. Listen in as our experts help you handle whatever life throws your way. Hello and welcome to another Simply Advised podcast. This is Matt Hallern, your host. The goal of this podcast is very simple, to provide you with an executable, actionable, and amazing education when it comes to financial services. Today, of course, is no different than any of the other podcasts we've done. We are interviewing Tom Southard, who is a financial professional, CRC at Thrive Wealth, and he's going to be educating us today on developing a plan. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt, for having me. I really appreciate that. Tell me, what is it that you'd like me to first share about myself? Well, I want to know your journey. It's always my favorite question to ask with these podcasts because it's fascinating to see kind of how you've become who you are now as a financial services professional. Well, okay, that's great. Well, the first thing I think of is in, in Goonies, the movie, where um, they ask, tell us everything you, you know. And so he goes back to the beginning of his life story. I won't go back that far, Matt, but I, I've spent over 35 years in technology. And when I left the last two, well, the last company, which was a startup that had gone successful, and after 15 years, I had some some decent stock options and so on. I wanted to figure out how I could really make that last for my retirement. Started digging into that, started to find that I really was excited about helping other people find the same kind of information I found. What did you learn, though? I mean, how did you learn that? Did you immediately go to education? Did you ask a friend? Did you have a mentor? How did you start educating yourself in financial services? Well, it starts probably with the fact that I did begin my my education originally in accounting and finance. So I did have a basis of knowledge. And throughout my life, of course, I had been studying various things like most people do, things related to the stock market. And you've got your savings plans, your stock options from various companies. And then, of course, I met a lot of people along the way. And it's great to have people around you that you can check in with. Some were my former colleagues, and one turned out to be uh, a parent of one of the kids I coached in soccer. He was involved in the financial uh, business, and he started pointing me to some solutions that I might need to look into. And then he said, you might like getting into this business. (laughs) And so I've been a natural educator, I guess, maybe naturals. Some people might say it's my DNA because my parents were educators, Mm And so in my profession, my technical profession, it was all about helping others. I was a customer service oriented type person. This is after I transitioned out of software engineering, but leading support organizations, teaching other team members to be professionals and reaching out to clients. So I've always had a client first kind of focus. Tell us a little bit about Thrive Wealth Solutions, if you don't mind. Thrive Wealth Solutions is a team of financial professionals, and it's a great team for me to be around because I don't have all the certifications that you can have throughout the uh, financial world. You can imagine I didn't spend 30 years developing this, this profession, but I've got professionals around me that have. And so I lean on them for certain things, and it's pretty exciting. What do you do? that sets you apart from other financial services professionals? I think one of the things that makes me unique in this profession is that I've had 
a long career outside of the profession. So I think I'm more relatable to my clients. I've been there. I've had the the day-to-day busyness in the in the tech world that I haven't been able to focus on some of these things. So I'm able to address those concerns because I know I've had them when I was in, in their shoes. Some of the best financial services professionals I've ever interviewed It was their second career, and they said the same sort of thing, that it does kind of instill a uh, a confidence or a feeling of mutual understanding that you have walked the same walks that they have, so that when you're providing the advice, it just has just a little bit more credibility. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's that, that credibility. Also, I think another thing that helps me to be successful is that I don't come across as this career professional. Maybe some people say, you don't come across as a slick salesman. And, and I'm not. I'm not a slick salesman. <laughs> my, my career has been about helping people as a technical professional as, a, as a, in more of a support services role. So that's the same kind of persona I bring to my current career. And you had said right at the beginning of the podcast that education's in your DNA, and that's a huge component of how you educate your clients and really how you take them through your process. There's a big difference between selling somebody and educating them into making an appropriate decision. Has that always been up here in your brain, and have you seen other people who kind of are the opposite? It, it probably helps that my wife is very resistant to a salesy kind of thing. She doesn't like to be pushed into things. So maybe I've learned a little bit about coming alongside her and seeing things from her perspective that's helped me have that same kind of mentality when I'm dealing with clients. Now, you're not a spring chicken, full disclosure here, right? Since you have been around the block a lot, one of the things that you had said when when we were just getting to know each other before the show is that life happens really fast. Why do you say that? And why is that such an important thing for you to focus on with your clients? One of the things that I experienced in my life is an illness a couple years ago that kind of took me down a notch. I'd been playing soccer for, for over 40 years. I was pretty fit. And yet when my wife took a vacation and came back and I I couldn't put her suitcase in the car, she's like, what happened to you? Fortunately, it was an illness that I was able to take care of with knock it out pretty quickly. It was some inflammation in my body. But that's not what really woke me up. About a year later, it was a 38-year-old colleague of mine who really was my best friend at work, scuba diving, and had had a heart attack while he was out scuba diving. It's probably a pulmonary embolism, but that was shocking to all of us, knowing that his wife was expecting their second child. It was devastating to all of us. We all loved him at work. He was really a great guy. And I, I think back to that. When I was talking to his wife, she said, Tom, don't don't hesitate to let people know that life is short and that life insurance was really important for her. And she said, let them know that this is important to have this kind of coverage for uh, their loved ones. One might suppose that your ideal client would be somebody in the tech industry because that's kind of where you grew up professionally. When you think of your ideal client, what does your ideal client look like? Well, I think it's someone who is looking for answers and really looking for some information, whatever career field you're in. Not all of us have the information outside of that domain. Occasionally, we wonder why we're listening to someone from Hollywood speak on a particular political topic. Just because you're a good actor doesn't mean everything about everything. And you could act as a spy, but 
you're not a spy. <laughs> Everyone needs a little help and guidance on very a variety of topics. My wife and I are planning a garden this spring. We, we turn to resources, things we don't know. I wish I could turn to my dad. My dad was a great gardener. Back to who is my ideal client, it's someone that really has been maybe heads down and and following the normal planning and normal strategies, and they really need to check in to see if there's something different that they need to do. We hear the word diversification thrown around a lot, and people think, well, okay, I'll put some in this stock and some of that stock, maybe some in bonds, but there's a lot more out there in the financial world besides stocks and bonds. And that's ho- hope, hopefully that's something that I can help educate my clients about. Well, we're going to dive into that a lot more deeply because I think that's a great transition into the idea that part of diversification is actually risk minimization or making sure that you're doing ri- risk mitigation. What do those two words mean to you and why do you think that's so important? Risk mitigation is, is something we do every day. When, when the light turns yellow, you can mitigate your risk by slowing down and stopping, or you can increase your risk and put your foot on the gas. My wife didn't like that when I didn't mitigate the risk last night, <laughs> but it, it, was a, it was a very mildly trafficked intersection. I didn't think the risk was high. Anyway, when it comes to risks in retirement or retirement planning, you want to deal with things like the cost of medical care or perhaps taxation. And as we know, the national debt continues to climb. Likely that means we'll have higher inflation because we're going to print money or we're going to have higher taxes or both. And so how do do you deal with that? Well, there's there's little control you can have over things like what what Congress is going to pass in laws. But if you can take advantage of some of the, the laws that exist today around like tax deferred or perhaps tax-free savings vehicles. And that's what you want to do to mitigate risk. I'd like to say more about that. Yeah, I'd love. Keep going, dude. Yeah, unpack that. You'll hear this from many financial professionals. The, one of the biggest risks out there is longevity. And longevity is a, a multiplying risk because any risk that you have will, will be exacerbated by living longer. So if you're worried about taxes, you're worried about inflation, you're worried about medical costs, those are nothing to worry about if you were to pass away tomorrow. <laughs> They're just non-existent. But if you live to 93, which, by the way, most people might think about planning to an average life expectancy. And the problem with that is if you're married, then there's a 50% chance that one of you will live to age 95. Just solely as a female, it's one in three chance. As a male, it's one in four chance. But as a couple, there's a 50% chance that one of you will live to age 95. So I do hope that you're planning your retirement, perhaps out to 100. You want to make sure you have funds lasting that long. So longevity risk, one of the things that you can pair that with eliminating the risk to maybe the loss of income today, right? So if you have a permanent life insurance policy, that might cover the loss of your income today. But in the future, what that might do is it might help boost the retirement for the remaining spouse. And so that's that's one thing to take a look at. When it comes to life insurance, some people think, okay, let's put life insurance on the income earning spouse. But I, I had a situation where I was working with this couple and I thought that the 
the breadwinner was the one that was really interested in life insurance. But as we dug into their life, I found out that they had a child with special needs. Mm. And that meant the mother was spending a lot of time with that child and was caring for them, educating them. And I think that child will be successful. But what would happen if she was taken out of the picture? Well, that would mean that he would want to step in. He would want to provide that care. Well, that would mean he would lose his salary. So that meant it was important that she had as much life insurance as he would have, because basically he's replacing his income when she would pass. Don't forget about the spouse. Um, That's the home spouse. In some insurance circles, they would uh, talk about that as almost like key man insurance in business. Yes. Right? And so exactly. you, you, you've you got that key employee or that key partner or whatever. Well, you have that same sort of relationship, hopefully, with your significant other. So it's very important for you to replace those those what that person does. And, and luckily, there are professionals like you who can figure out the the how much they need to have in order to accomplish that. Yeah, in fact, I I found an interesting comic for Mother's Day, and it and it and it said that the the kids had put some money together to hire a replacement for mom for the day, so she can have the day off. And it showed a nurse, a teacher, uh, just all the different professions <laughs> that the mom fills in, and uh, it's typically a mother who does that. And they they've been key key in my life and key in my kids' lives. Sure. Let's talk about the plan. I want you to unpack this a little bit more because that's what you do is you help people plan. Let's start breaking apart the different aspects of the plan and on what you're really going to hone in on today from an education standpoint. Okay. Well, of course, having a plan is important and just hoping that you're saving enough is not a plan. It, it may be, in fact, it may work for you that that you're hoping and you're saving. I, I was dealing with a client and he was just putting money and money and money in away. He was single and he had a, he had a pension and he had a couple of different annuities and he had more money than he would never need. He still came to me worried. Why was he worried? And really having a plan can give you a peace of mind. And this is what you want, especially in retirement so that you can enjoy retirement. You don't want to be worried. Where's that money coming from or will that money last? Having a plan to, let's say, fill in your basic needs with guaranteed income. You can do that. You can have guaranteed income through whether it's a work pension or maybe you create your own pension through annuities or even something like a life insurance retirement plan. Having a plan is important. And you're you're listening to this podcast today. You've probably listened to other professionals. I'm not sure why you're doing this. I I hope it's because you want to take action. And it's really important to have a plan. Don't wait. Meet with a financial professional. Of course, you can meet with me. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, how you can reach out to me. Well, I want you to unpack some more here, Tom, because there's a lot of components of planning that I don't think people truly understand. What sort of questions are you going to ask that you have found surprise the clients that you're working with in order for you to create this plan that really does give them that peace of mind? One of the questions I'll ask is, what has your financial planner asked you or told you about sequence of returns or the order of returns? Because 
What happens in your savings cycle or what you could say accumulation cycle of your of your career is that you can play the stock market with your retirement uh, savings and have an average return since let's say 1926 the average return has been over 10%. I think it's more like 12%. You could take all those returns and you put them in order from when you started savings. Let's say you started saving in 1980 until now. And you could take the percentage of return that the stock market has given all those years. Let's look at the S&P 500, for example. You could take those numbers and start with $100,000 and show what it, what you'd get. You could take that those same returns, some of them are going to be negative, some are positive, flip it upside down, and you'll end up with the same amount of money. It doesn't matter the, 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 the sequence in which you're, you're getting returns credits during your accumulation phase. During the distribution distribution phase, when you're taking money out, all bets are off. You cannot count on that. You can have a 10% return. You can't take 5% out. You probably can't even take 4% out. Uh, right now, I think the the recommendation is 2.8%. What, what is it that you can do to offset that? How, how do you reduce that risk, the sequence of returns? And that's one of the things we would work on on a plan with an individual. Now, what about the life component of this, Tom? When people retire or they're preparing for retirement, they usually want to do stuff in retirement. How do you incorporate your client's goals and dreams into the plan itself? Well, first, we take a look at what are their necessities? What is their base budget? We want to look at that first, and we want to make sure that's taken care of. And then we look at Here's some things we want to do. So if you've got your base budget taken care of, then you're free to take vacations. You're free to spend money on traveling to Europe or whatever it is that you've longed to do. That's one of the things that I have found is one of the most rewarding aspect of creating a plan for their clients. But what part of the financial plan excites you the most? One of the things I get excited about is when I see my clients get excited. I have this this one couple right now. They're past age 65 and they they continue to work because they don't know if they've saved enough. I've been able to sit down with them and handle some of these risks and take them off the table and show them that yes, they can. They're actually excited. They I, I know their son and they're they were out visiting an area of the country where they're thinking they're gonna relocate with their son. Their son reported back to me, I've never seen my dad so excited about retiring. And because he's beginning to see the end game for him, the freedom that he's going to have to be around his children, his grandchildren, and just enjoy the time, this, these golden years of his life. We really haven't talked on the Simply Advised podcast at great length about long-term care expenses. Would you mind just kind of nerding out with us for a few minutes, Tom? And let's really dive in deeply about really what does that mean and, and what can you do about long-term care? Right. A lot of people think of long-term care as a nursing home, and, and certainly that, that can be a part of it. But 90% of people receive long-term care in their home. I know my father-in-law, he passed away just about two years ago, and he he was at home and my wife was there providing some care and we were able to bring in other care. Same with my mom. She lived in an assisted living facility, which was basically an apartment that she rented. And when we needed to, we could bring in extra care for her. 
90%, as I said, of people receive long-term care at home. And what, what does that look like? And, and, and how are they qualified? Well, if, if they have an insurance contract, typically that will provide either reimbursable or, or cash upfront expenses, especially if it's at home without any, any receipts. But typically you qualify for those benefits if, you, if there's a cognitive disorder like Alzheimer's or you have two of the six activities of daily living, living that um, you struggle with. So like eating or dressing or toileting, things like this. And once you are eligible for that benefit, not only will you get that kind of help, which is really non-medical, it's considered custodial care, you also can benefit from other care that you receive, which is called instrumental activities of daily living. Like somebody needs to help you with your finances. As my mother aged, she didn't really have the wherewithal to, to deal with that. I mean, she passed at 93. Fortunately, my sister had her move into the same city as her. My sister was able to help manage that and also coordinate care. So you need somebody to coordinate the care, come in and make sure she's taking the right medicine, she's going to the doctor and all those things. And so those are expenses that can be reimbursable under long-term care insurance contracts. I have heard through the grapevine, Tom, and you can tell me that I'm wrong here because I'm, I'm wrong often. Is this stuff really expensive? I mean, how do you get long-term care expenses covered in retirement without really breaking the bank? Traditional long-term care is one of the less expensive care plans, and yet it has limits to it. One of the limits is that it's typically a pool of money that one spouse could exhaust, so there's none available for the other. The second thing that happens is if it is exhausted, then they start dipping into the retirement assets of the other spouse for that would be for the other spouse if they were passed away. And this is particularly tragic if there's a cognitive disorder like Alzheimer's because the average average is eight years treating Alzheimer's. I know my sister had a husband that had a cognitive disorder and that was very traumatic to her she needed time off. Fortunately, he had bought a long-term care contract that paid for all of that. And the, what if you think long-term care is expensive, wait until you have to pay for it out of pocket. I borrowed that quote from someone else. It's a great quote. It really, it really can uh, devastate the finance, financial situation. So what you want to do is you want to designate a portion of your retirement savings to put a hedge around the rest. And that's what insurance does. You're transferring risk from yourself, the risk to consume all your finances, and you're transferring that risk to the insurance company. And I mentioned traditional life insurance. Sorry, I mentioned traditional long-term care insurance. There's also hybrid life insurance or long-term care insurance. And it's and it can be based on an annuity. It can be based on a whole life policy. But the benefit of this is if you don't use it, you don't lose it, like with traditional, meaning that it can be passed on as a death benefit to your beneficiary. So you're not just wasting your money. And also there's one type, one company offers a living a lifetime benefit such that it never expires. How is that possible? So the way this hybrid policy works is that you do basically spend down the value of, let's say, the annuity or the whole life policy that it's based on, such that there's no longer a benefit to your beneficiaries, but you're using that benefit. And with a, with a rider, you can extend that for your lifetime. Of course, that rider will cost you a little bit more, but you're protecting the rest of your 
retirement resources. And that's what you want to do. You want to mitigate that risk. Somebody told me a long time ago that insurance companies pay really, really smart mathematicians to figure this stuff out, to make sure that it's going to be able to satisfy the policy requirements as they continue to go on. All right, Tom. So we've covered a lot of stuff here. We've talked about disability risk, long-term care risk, longevity risk. We've talked about planning, really making sure that you have all of your ducks in a row by asking some really good questions so that your plan not only covers income, but also covers the overall idea of, of managing risk. What should I have asked you today? Did I miss something? Is there something I want to? I should have asked you in order to continue to pick your brain here on this, this podcast today? What you didn't ask is how how have I handled or how have I mitigated my long-term care expenses? That's fantastic. And I've used a maybe some call it a belt and suspenders approach. I, I have taken advantage of the the lifetime long-term care hybrid policy. Most life insurance companies offer a rider on the standard life insurance. So a permanent life insurance, whether it's whole life or universal life, they'll have a rider on there that also can be used for long-term care expenses. And these riders just basically allow you to accelerate your death benefit. So if you have a $2 million death benefit, maybe you accelerate a million of that to pay for some of your long-term care costs. And the reason why I like this is because you don't want to typically buy too much insurance. And so by spreading the risks between two different policies, you don't have to buy a platinum premium plan over here. You can, you can take this, this two-pronged approach that can be utilized in other, for other uses. So if you don't take advantage of accelerating that death benefit, of course, then that death benefit can be passed to your beneficiaries. After hearing all of this and people getting to know you a little bit better, uh, what is the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to know a little bit more about what it's like to work with you? I do offer complimentary opportunities for people to meet with me. And you, you, if you want to just read more on my blog, you can go to tsouther-ins.com. T is in my first name, Tom. And then my last name, Southard, S-O-U-T-H-A-R-D dash I-N-S, short for insurance, dot com slash blog if you want to read my blog or at the top of the page there's a little calendar link i use calendly under the under the cover so you can just go right to calendly if you want c-a-l-e-n-d-l-y dot com slash southard s-o-u-t-h-a-r-d go to my website click on there schedule 15 minutes for a phone call or 30 minutes or more if you want to talk in longer length and have a real true strategy session and when I do that, I do that complimentary. Don't be afraid to ask some questions that popped into your mind as you heard me speaking today. And that's that's what it's all about. Again, I love to talk to anybody about uh, planning for retirement. And whether you become a client of mine or not, I'd be willing to talk to you. Please do reach out. And Tom, we will make sure that we put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you very much for taking some time today and educating all of our listeners. Oh, you're welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And make sure you check the show notes so that you can schedule some time with Tom. For Tom and all of us here at Simply Advised, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Simply Advised podcast. Click on the link to subscribe to our podcast and learn more about how we can help you become more confident and informed about your financial choices.